Hello family, welcome to CE Online. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We're so excited about today's service. We believe that this could be the best and most impacting hour of your week. Throughout the service, if you have any questions, comments, prayer requests, please go to churchexperience.tv connect or just pull out your camera app, hit the QR code to connect with us. If you have any questions, want to know what's going on here at CE, just hit the subscribe button right here. We would love to hear from you and we'll be praying for you. We're ready to dive in. Would you stand to worship with us as we sing songs to Jesus? Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Oh, He's my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life. Oh, he is my song. Cause you are good, you're good.
Father, Lord, you are so good. As we sing these songs to you, Father, we come from love, Lord, to worship you, Father. In the midst of the storm, God, you are good. And whatever's happening in this world, we might not be able to see it, but you are still good. And we are just going to worship you through it through that storm. God, we love you so much. And we thank you for your goodness. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. Welcome to week number two of our Miracles teaching series, where every week we're looking at the miracles that God has done in history, and also the miracles that he wants to do in your future. Well, as we begin this week, I was thinking about tornadoes and how tornadoes often make headlines because they're so destructive. Whether they take down a house or they take a life, they they make the news and they also make movies. And when I was growing up, there was a big box office hit called Twister. It was a huge movie, and it was all about these storm chasers who loved chasing tornadoes. In fact, one of the most awkward moments of my high school life happened around this movie. I was just recently telling my kids about it. I was at an out-of-state basketball tournament, and, and the team was gathered in the lobby of this theater on some off time, and they decided to watch this movie called Striptease. And I could tell as a follower of Jesus that the movie called Striptease is not a movie that I should be going to. And so as they all lined up and bought their tickets for this movie, I stepped up and said, I'll take one for, how about Twister? And my coach that was behind me and everyone else had pretty much got their ticket, he saw this happening and he decided that he wasn't going to let me go by myself. And so he said, I'll also take a movie for Twister. And so the two of us went off to a separate theater while the rest of the team went and watched this other inappropriate movie. And, and we're sitting there watching Twister. And it was a little bit awkward, but it was actually a pretty good movie. And it's all about these, these storm chasers. They're chasing these tornadoes, trying to get them on video. I mean, one of the funniest parts of the movie, they're driving down a road and a tornado crosses their path. And there's a cow that got caught up in the tornado. It just flies through the air. It's kind of a fun movie. And, and, and the thing I like about the movie the most is that, that these guys, the, the adrenaline pumping chase of trying to capture one of these tornadoes on film. And they're getting as close as they can to the action. They want to be in on the excitement, the thrill of the chase. Today, I want to talk to you on the subject of chasing miracles, getting caught up in the excitement of God's kingdom work. 
seeing the divine and miraculous hand of God move in your life to change your family, to change other lives through your life, to be caught up in the thrill and the excitement of chasing the miraculous work of God in our world. That's where where we're going today, chasing miracles. And we're going to look at an epic story in Acts chapter 14 that involves an amazing miracle. And then the aftermath, the wake of that miracle has so much to teach us. So let's start with the miracle itself in Acts chapter 14, down in verse 8. It says, In Lystra there there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. It's a miraculous story. This man who could never walk could now walk and and he was miraculously healed. But one of the parts of this story that I absolutely love, take a look at verse nine. He listened to Paul as he was speaking and Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed. Did you see that? It says he saw his faith. Now, we think of faith as something inside us, which it is. It's in our mind. It's in our hearts. in our spirit. It's, it's this faith, this confidence in the unseen, in the power of God, in the belief in what he can do. And so there's this unseen element to faith itself because faith is confidence in the unseen. But interestingly, it says Paul could see that this guy had faith. I mean, he looked at this dude and he could tell that he had faith just by looking at him. And I was just reading this thinking, what do people see when they look at you? Do they see somebody who has faith in God? Or do they see somebody who's chasing the world? Are you chasing God's miraculous hand or are you chasing the things of this world? People can tell when they look at you. And by the way, if you have a faith that cannot be observed with the naked eye, what kind of faith do you actually have? What do do people see when they look at you? Paul looked at this guy and he said, this guy has faith. But more importantly than what people see, I wonder what God sees when he looks at you. What, What does God see when he looks at us? Does he see a person of faith? Because here's what's interesting about God. God can see more than what people see. People judge us on the outside. They they assess us based on what they see, but God looks at the heart. So he sees the outside too, but he also sees what's going on on the inside. And he sees if you're living in fear or if you're living in faith and And it was faith that caught Paul's attention in this story. And it seems to me like faith throughout all of scripture is like a magnet to attract the attention and the favor of God. See, God's eyes are always on you as his kid, but it seems like faith increases that engagement. It seems like faith, it just just causes us to lean in and it causes God's hand to work in a powerful way in our lives. And, And it should lead us to this expectancy like having a faith in the unseen hand of God working in our life, it should, it should cause us to be on the edge of our seat. Always be leaning in like, God, what are you going to do next? And I think that's what this guy had here in, in Acts. I mean, when, when it said that Paul could see his faith, I mean, he couldn't walk, but he's probably leaning in like, yeah, I, I want that. Like, I want that for me. And he's just there just waiting, expecting God to do something in his life. I mean, I can see this as a pastor. Sometimes you look out of the church and you see some people are there. They're taking notes. They're ready to go. They showed up early. They're worshiping. They're engaged. And some people are like, they're just kind of there. It's like, it's just, like we got too many sleepy Christians in the world. I mean, it's just, they're just kind of just cruising through life. They're not expecting God to do great things in their life. They're not, they're not hustling for his kingdom. They're not saying, God, whatever it takes. They're like, you know, 
maybe if, ish, you know, like they're just kind of just sleepy Christians. There's this spiritual apathy that, that creeps in when people start to feel entitled, when they become selfish, when it becomes about them and what they get out of it instead of for living for God's glory. See, if you, if you want to transition from life being a got to to a get to, the only way you can do that is start to live to please God. Because if you're living to please people or ultimately living to please yourself, then there's going to be so many times where like, I don't feel like it. I'm not comfortable. It's kind of hard. It's taking too much of my time. But when, when you lean in with this, this faith and this expectancy that this lame man had, it's like, it's not about me. It's about God and what he can do and what he wants to do. And it, and it causes things in your life to become a got or a get to. Like, I get to do that. I get to serve the Lord. I get to see God work in my life. And it just changes your whole attitude. But this man here, he had a, he had a faith in it. It caused him to be eager to have an expectancy. Do, do you have an expectancy for what God can do in your life? Are you, are, you, are you hungry for what God might want to do next in your life? You know, this is actually your responsibility. I don't know if you realize this, but, but Romans chapter 12, it tells us that it's our responsibility to keep our passion alive. Romans chapter 12, verse 11, God's word says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So, so we're commanded to never lose our zeal for the Lord, but instead to keep our passion hot as we serve him. So that's my responsibility. In other words, I have to choose to do that because it won't happen naturally. Naturally, I'll slip into an entitled, self-centered mode where it's like, oh, I, I've got to do that. And then the only way that you can keep that get-to mentality is to keep that passion hot for the Lord. And how do you do that? It's through faith. It's this expectancy, it's through chasing miracles and saying, God, I believe today you can show up. Even though this is an ordinary day, even though this might be a challenging day, even though this might be a busy day, right here in the middle of this mess, God, you can show up and you can do something incredible. A revival of my own spirit. God, working through my life to transform this world. God, you can do great things. And this lame man sitting there hearing Paul teach the word of God, he, he had this expectancy and it says that Paul could see it. Paul could see it. Here's my question for you. Is my life positioned for a miracle? Is my life positioned for a miracle? Am I trying to honor God and live with integrity? Am I praying desperate prayers saying, God, please show up? Am I on the edge of my seat every day as I wake up? God saying, I can't wait to see how you use me today, God. I can't wait to see how you grow me today. God, I have faith. I'm depending on you today. Are you living that way or are you a self-sufficient Christian? Sufficient in your own power. So you can get by this life. You can survive this life in your own powers in, in some ways. I mean, you can kind of just get by barely. But that's not how you're called to live as a believer. God, God wants to empower you with his spirit to live in boldness and with great faith, seeing God do amazing and miraculous things in and through your life. He wants you to chase miracles. That's, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to live with a great faith. I mean, it was not reserved for these great men and women of the Bible. We see God do all these incredible things in their stories. God wants that story to come alive in your life right here and right now. So is my life positioned for a miracle? I wanna look back at verse 10. Acts 14, so this guy's eager to be healed, and, and it says, and Paul called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up, and he began to walk. Interestingly, like this, this problem that he had has stretched his entire life. 
I mean, his entire life, he had been lame. He could not walk. He never walked. Yet in this one moment, with one word, inspired by and empowered by God, Paul says, get up and walk. And this man stands up and his feet who were, that were lame were now firm and he could walk. I mean, the, the problem he had been dealing with his entire life through the power of God, listen, through the power of God in that moment, everything changed forever. That's how God so often works, in a moment. In a moment. We're seeking him in faith and faithfulness throughout the weeks and the months and the years. And then in a moment, God shows up and by a wave of his grace, everything changes in a moment. Funny how things can change so quickly in a moment. And where I live here, a lot of us are Tampa Bay Bucks football fans, and especially these last couple of years as we've had the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, a quarterback in our team. And then he retired at the end of the season. They lost to the Super Bowl champs, and, and it was just like, oh, man, we, we almost repeated a second time. And, and, and then he retired. But he was, interestingly, even though he's the oldest quarterback in the league, and, and by far, I mean, he's sent so many kind of, of records and statistically just on top of his game throughout his history. But, but this last year, he was like one of the greatest of all times just measured on this last year. I mean, he did so well, yet he retired. And so everyone was disappointed. But then this, this last week, <laughs> it was so cool. The, the news came out. My phone started blowing up. Some friends were messaging me and, and, and sending this, this, this image here. It was one of the, the texts I got. And it was, it's like, Tom Brady, I got some unfinished business. My place right now is on the field. It's not to be in the stands. And, and in that moment, everything changed for Tampa Bay Bucks fans because we're like, now, now we got a chance. We got a chance. We got the greatest quarterback of all time thrown on our team. Like in, in this, this one announcement, this one unexpected moment, or maybe expected for some, but this unexpected moment, we have, a, we have new hope. And things are going to be different next year than they would have been. And, and for some of you, you've been praying for a long time for a miracle. You've been, you've been hoping that God would show up because you feel like you've been on a losing team. You, you feel like you're just barely getting by. You feel like you're struggling. And as you keep praying and, and through the eyes of faith, hoping that God will show up, listen, in a moment, with one announcement, with one phone call, with one conversation, with one time of prayer, God can show up in your life in greater ways than you can imagine. That immeasurably more that we talked about last week. The immeasurably more beyond what, what you can imagine or even think possible in a moment, God can do it. Do you have faith to see that? How do those miraculous things happen in our life? If I want to chase those miracles, it begins with a faith to see the unseen. Do you believe that God can show up in a miraculous way like he did in this man? Something you've been struggling with your entire life. Well, I've never been this kind of person. I mean, I've always wanted God to use me and I wanted to teach, but I've never been good at like teaching people and, and talking in front of others. But do you believe in a moment that God can equip you and empower you to step with courage into that ministry opportunity? I've been struggling with this, this struggle and sin in my whole life and this temptation in my whole life. Do you believe in a moment that God can intervene and change things in your heart? Now, I've been struggling because I've been an anxious person for so long. I've been, I've been living in fear and worry, and that's just kind of who I am. But do you believe in a moment that God can transform who you are to be who he wants you to be? Is your life positioned for a miracle? And as you daily chase the miraculous hand of God, I believe you're going to see God show up in some amazing ways. Let's, let's go back to our story in Acts 14. Something interesting happens here after the miracle that I think we can learn from. Verse 11, so this man is healed. He begins to walk. In verse 11, it says, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the 
Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priests of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. So they, they see this miracle occur. They know this guy who's never walked, and now he's walking at the command of Paul. They, they see him healed, and so they're about to worship them as gods. They're about to sacrifice to them. Now, was it Paul that healed this guy? No. It was God's power working through Paul. You know, sometimes your blessings are going to be seen by others as your success, as your strength. Like, look what you did. Look what you accomplished. Look what you attained. When you know in your heart that really it was, it was God. It was his power. And they say that, that, that we're tested most by our successes, not our, our failures. That's where our character is, is tested the most. And never forget, never forget where the credit actually goes. Never forget to give thanks to God when he does the miraculous in your life, when he answers that prayer, when he accomplishes his work in your life. Never get prideful because pride precedes the fall every time. I love taking my boys to their first NBA basketball game recently. We drove over to Orlando with a couple friends from church, watched the game. It was amazing. Afterwards, one of my boys wanted to get autographs, and he had heard that there was a player's exit out back, and so we're standing there uh, hoping to get some autographs, and the boys are really excited. And, and one by one, the, the door rolls up, and these, these really nice cars roll out, and, and everyone's guessing what player's inside, and sometimes you can see them, sometimes you can't, and the security cards kind of give us some, some heads up. Well, that, that's so-and-so. And, and so they're, they're getting real excited, just hoping to get an autograph. In the end, only one player actually rolled down his window and was, was signing for people. But, but it's so interesting watching all the different cars come out because there was one, one point, there was this beautiful blue Porsche that rolled out. And, and the security guard said, that's, that's Mo Bamba. Now, Mo Bamba is seven feet tall, and he's there in this, this small car that's probably barely seven feet long. He's just in this, he's just in this tiny little car. And it's just so funny to me that, to imagine this big basketball player we saw on the court in this tiny little car. And Mo Bamba is one of the tallest players in the NBA. He's literally seven feet tall. He's got a seven foot ten wingspan. He's a huge guy. And interestingly, if you went up to a player like that and you said, "Hey, great job out there! You are a phenomenal basketball player," there's, there's probably a couple different ways they could respond. One, you know, someone in that position might say, "Well, well, thank you. I've worked really hard to get where I am." And, and that would absolutely be true. There's not a single player in the NBA who has not worked their tail off to get to the NBA or the WNBA. I mean, there's just no player who's got to that level without a tremendous amount of sacrifice and hard work. So that absolutely would be true. Thank you very much. I've, I've worked very hard at to, to get where I am. That, that would absolutely be true every time. However, it wouldn't be the whole story, would it? Because there's another way that you could respond and you could say, well, thank you. God, God blessed me with this height and these abilities and I've worked really hard to refine them and to get where I am. Now that, that's the, the fuller picture and you don't hear that too often and of course that would only probably come from a believer but, but that's the full story. Because if I work just as hard as Mo Bamba, I'm not gonna end up in the NBA. I'm not seven feet tall. Like, as much as I want to, listen, I tried when I was in high school. I, that was my goal. I wanted to get there but I'm not making it there. It's just it's not gonna happen. But, but here's the point. Everything that you do is a combination of your work and God's work. But if you remove God's work, what do you have? You've got a whole lot of nothing. 
Because every bit of your life is founded on and initiated by the catalyst of God's miraculous hand. You would not be here without the creativity and imagination of God. It tells us in Psalm 139 that you were woven together in your mother's womb. Like God, God had you in mind before you even had a mind. He, he created you and wove you together. See, it was God's hand that gave you the abilities that you have, that gave you life, and, and that it sustains you, that allows air to be flowing through your body. See, listen, God's work. God's miraculous work is what makes all things possible. So don't you go taking credit and saying, well, well, I worked hard for this. You did, but but you couldn't have worked hard without God. And and what, what am I trying to get at here? What I'm trying to get at is that sometimes we respond to miracles in the wrong way, and it decreases the impact that those miracles could have. And when you see God working in your life, how you respond is a multiplier of the impact from that miracle. If you try to take the credit from that miracle, it really minimizes the impact. But if you instead point the attention where it belongs and say, well, praise God, look what God has done, it can multiply the impact of that miracle. I wonder what happened the last time God showed up in your life and answered a prayer. I wonder after the miracle, in the wake of the miracle, I wonder who got the credit. See, here in this story in Acts, all the people, they're trying to give the credit to Paul for doing the miracle, but Paul knows that the miracle was not from him. But all the people don't know that. The people look and they see what happened in Paul's life. And and the miracles in your life, the answers to prayer in your life, the blessings in your life, the people around you, they don't know necessarily that those miracles came from God. Somebody needs to tell them because if you just say, well, thank you, I've worked really hard, or thank you, I'm, I'm blessed, that doesn't necessarily tell them where the miracle came from. They might get the mistaken impression and it's all from you. And it's always your role as a believer to point back to the hand of God for the miracles that he did in your life, for the answers to prayer, for the great things that he's done when we take credit. And listen, we're in a world where everybody takes credit for what happens in their life. So I get it, that's the natural pull. But there's something different about a believer and how we respond to miracles. And and notice how Paul responds here in Acts chapter 14. Look down in verse 14. It says, but when when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes And they rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing the good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They're saying, listen, we did not do this miracle. We're just people like you. We've experienced the power of God working through us. That's the difference. And we're trying to help you turn from this, these worthless things like worshiping false gods and turn to the true God. But listen, it's not from us. Don't sacrifice to us. They tore their clothes. It was such a significant thing. Like, how could, you, how could you think it was us? How could you think it's about us? How could you start to worship us? It's not about us. It's about God. He's the miracle working God. Here's the lesson. God gives the miracle. We give the credit. That's my, my, my role is to give the credit to God. God gives the miracle, I give the credit. So give God the credit for what he's done in your life. Is there a past miracle in your family, in your story? Is, it, is there a miracle in your story that you have been taking God's credit for? Maybe it was unintentional, but, but by lacking the acknowledgement of where the miracle came from, you're essentially taking the credit for yourself because everyone looks at your life and says, how blessed What a great situation. How amazing that it turned out that way. But if you were able to break that miracle down, you know that it wasn't just all you. That's only part of the story. And it may be a good part of the story, but it's not the whole story. Have you been taking credit for the miracles that God has done in your life? How would you feel if somebody took the credit for something that you did? 
I was up north uh, years ago with a friend. We were snowboarding, and we were on a chairlift heading up the side of this mountain. And, and while we were on the chairlift, he tells me, he's a good friend. We'd work together, and he said, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm going to propose to my girlfriend here in a couple of weeks. I said, oh, man, congratulations. That's amazing. I was so happy for him. I, I love both of these two. I thought they are amazing people. I was so happy for him. And, and as he tells me the story, I, I get to the point of like just asking, like, well, how are you going to propose to her? And I had proposed to Jen in a really fun way, in a creative way, and I, I was expecting to hear some great story. And, and he says, well, I was just going to kind of ask her, you know, and we've been together for a while, and, like, she'll understand. I said, no, man, you can't, you can't do that. Like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime moment. you got to go big or go home, man. It's like, you don't want to risk her thinking, well, this is how the rest of my life's going to be. Is this going to be boring and normal? And I mean, what if she says no? You ask her like that, come on, man, you gotta have, you got to have a good good proposal. And so we started talking about it and I gave him some ideas. I'm like, man, you could go up here and go on the top of this building and have this set up and then, then do this and then go from here and do that. And I'm telling him all these things. I'm just ideas, just throwing them his way. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, that'd be great. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And so, so anyway, he takes this and a couple of weeks later, we're hanging out, we're talking and I asked him how the proposal went. And I knew that she had said yes. And he's like, oh man, it was incredible, man. She was blown away. Here's what I did. I went over here and I, I did that. And then, then I went over here and I, I did this and she loved it. And I'm thinking, I'm not saying this, but I'm thinking oh, that was my idea. <laughs> that, that was my idea. I told him this. And, and he's like so excited and everything. And I never said anything to her ever. But it was just kind of funny because I mean, he, he knew he got those ideas from me, but, but he was going to have this boring engagement. Man, he might not even, he's got kids now. He might not even be married. Those kids might not even be here, man. He doesn't even know know how much I helped him out. <laughs> now, I'm just having some fun exaggerating, but the, the point is, like, like he, he was getting credit from his girl, like, yeah, look what I did, but actually those ideas came from somewhere else. Every good idea I've ever had did not come from me, and I've had more bad ideas than I've had good ideas, but all the good ideas in my life, it didn't really come from me. It came from him. Every good thing that's ever happened in my life, the Bible tells me that every good gift is from above. It's from my heavenly Father. Every good blessing in your life, every good vision you've had, every opportunity you had, you can trace that back in some way to God's miraculous hand. Are, are you going around taking credit for it? Hey, guys, let me tell you about this amazing thing that, that happened in my life. Let me tell you this amazing thing that I did. Do you know that I actually came from somewhere else? That wasn't your idea, ultimately. That was, that was God allowing you the gift from him. Are you giving the credit where the credit is due? God gives the miracle. We give the credit. Acts chapter 14, let's look back at this story again. Acts chapter 14, look with me at verse 18. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. How quickly their praise turned into a hatred for them. The praise of people is so fickle. It's so fragile. And if you are living for the credit and praise that people give you, and that's, that's very natural to do, to live, to please other people, your life will be so up and down. It will be so unstable because one moment people love you and the next moment they hate you. One moment they're excited for you and another moment they're frustrated at you. And if you're living your life based on the credit you get, if people give you acknowledgement and if they praise you, then your life is gonna be like this. It's gonna be up one moment and down another, up and down, maybe even on the same day. And, and that's what happened here. I mean, one moment they're, they're wanting to sacrifice to them and worship them as gods. And then the next moment they're literally throwing rocks at them, trying to kill them. This is crazy how fast things change. And Paul was, he literally stoned him. And he stoned him and left him for dead. Thought he, literally thought he was dead. He didn't die, but they thought he was dead. Leave him there in a pile of rocks. You know, when you acknowledge in your heart 
not just with your lips, that really every good thing in your life is from God. And ultimately your life is for God, doing all things for the glory of him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for him. When you start to really get that in your soul, such peace washes over your mind. Because really it doesn't matter what people are pleased with you or not because you're not living for their pleasure, you're living for God's. And, and it really doesn't matter if you feel like it or you wanna do it or you got credit for it because it's really not about you in the day, at the end of the day anyway, it's about him. It's about living to please God. That, that is when things really start to change because people's, people's impression of you changes all the time. Back during the pandemic, I was a hero around my house because I would go out searching for toilet paper. I mean, toilet paper is sold out everywhere in a family of six. You've got to have toilet paper to keep the household going. And so I'm, I'm driving around to 7-Eleven and going inside and buying the little single roll that they have on the bottom shelf. I'm, I'm going to different grocery stores. I, I'm looking everywhere and anywhere to find the white gold and bring it home to the family. And they're loving on me like, Dad, thank you so much. Well, it's been some time now since those days have passed. And, and you know, the other day I was, I was thinking about how I could, you know, work the family budget and save a little money on some of the things that we get all the time. And so I was doing some research online. I was thinking, man, we buy toilet paper. It's getting really expensive now. And I'm going to see how I could save some money. And so I got online and I, I found a big box of toilet paper that I could get. I'm like, man, I'm going to save some money. And we have to get it every week. I'm just going to have a big box of it in the garage. We're going to be good to go. And so I ordered this bulk toilet paper. I'm feeling so good because I save money. It's efficient, and so I got this big box of toilet paper and just filling all the cabinets with it. And, and about like 48 hours after this, this toilet paper has been used in our, our house, I start hearing from everybody, Dad, this toilet paper is terrible. Hey, Dad, this, this toilet paper disintegrates. I mean, it's, it's just so thin. This, this little two-ply is just so hard to get off. It's just uncomfortable. It's not good at all. They're all hating on me like, Dad, come on. Like, that was the worst decision ever, and it's not going away anytime soon because you got so much of it. <laughs> Yeah, one moment they love it, and then the next moment they're like, this is, this is terrible. You know, you can't, you can't live based on the praise of people, and I'm having some fun, but you, you know how that works. I mean, some moments you have some wins, and people are celebrating you, and the next moment you have some losses, and people, they don't want to even talk to you. And Isn't that true? Isn't that true how life works? And, and, and some of us, without even thinking about it, we're living to get the credit for others. That, that's really a primary driver and motivation for our life is if we get credit, acknowledgement, praise of people. It's not until you shift to live for the praise of God that you're gonna find true peace, security in who you are. And honestly, until you make that shift, you're taking the credit from where the credit really belongs to God. Here's the lesson in all this. Chase the pleasure of God, not the praise of people. Chase the pleasure of God, the smile of God over your life, the favor of God, not, not, the, not the please people. That's, that brings no peace. And, and by the way, can I just say something about social media for a minute? We live in a, a culture saturated by social media. There's so many people that are chasing the likes and the views of other people. They're, they're chasing the approval of other people through posting about their lifestyle and their body and their accomplishments and what they have attained. And, and because of all this people-pleasing, chasing through social media and posting pictures of our, our lives and our bodies and all these sorts of things, it's, it's, it's creating a mentality to, to chase the likes of other people instead of the favor of God. And by the way, Christians should do everything differently than, than how we would naturally do things in the world because we are different. We're, we're called out a set apart people. And so everything, I mean, how you use your body instead of posting your bikini body online for everybody to see and induce lust in others, there should be a, a using of your body as a temple of God and every part of your body used for, for God. Instead of bragging on all the accomplishments you've done and how great your life is, it's bragging on how amazing God has been in your life. See, what if you started using your social media account to brag on God instead of bragging on yourself? Instead of showing the world who you are, what if you started using your social media account to show the world who God is? 
There's a couple of different ways you can approach things, but some of us, even though we're Christians, we're still living like we're in the world because it's still about getting the approval of other people. Chase the pleasure of God, not, not the praise of people. Interestingly, social media and how we live our life really does expose what's in our heart in so many ways. And there's this verse in, in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19, that's so revealing and so convicting. It says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. So one's life reflects the heart. Just like looking at the water reflects your face, looking in the mirror reflects your face, your life reflects what's inside your heart. So, so if we could just follow you around for a little bit, if we could analyze and quantify your life, like where you put your time, what you're interested in, what you scroll on your phone, what you view on your television, the places you go, the things you do, what you spend your money on or don't spend your money on, if we could just take an assessment of your life, that's gonna lead us to a conclusion about what's inside your heart. And you may argue, well, that's not true, that's not true. But God's word says your life is a reflection of your heart. Does your life display evidence of a life of faith? Because Paul looked at that guy who needed healing, sitting there listening to his teaching, and he could tell just by looking at him if he had faith. Can we observe through looking at your life if you're a person of faith, if you're a woman of faith, a man of faith, can we tell by observing your life that your passion is hot for the Lord? Listen, there's a quote I love. It says, the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. There's nothing more potent and powerful than that. Is your soul on fire? Is your zeal hot for the Lord? Or are you too busy chasing the world and the pleasures and the possessions of the world that you are forgotten about, the power of chasing God's miracles? Well, there's one more part of this story I want to go back to. It's in Acts chapter 14. I want to look at verse 20, Acts chapter 14. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derbe. Verse 21, they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples, and then they returned to Lystra, the same place that he had been stoned. They returned to Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain strong in the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. You know, this, this fascinates me because... It says that he was stoned, and then you saw that in verse 19. They, they dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead, and in verse 20 it says, but after the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city, and then the next day he departed. So, so some things that stand out to me is that, that literally he gets back up after they try to kill him, and he goes back. He goes right back to serving God. He goes right back into the, the place of his pain. He goes right back into the place of persecution. And then the next day he departs to go preach the gospel and he starts winning people to Jesus in this other city. And then he returns again and goes back to the same place where he was almost executed. He goes back again and there he strengthened the believers saying, hey, we as followers of Jesus, we, have, we must go through many hardships. Now you and I can say that and we could have gone to that crowd and we could have said that, but there was no one who could have preached that message like Paul could have preached it because they saw him stoned. They saw him almost killed for his faith. And yet he goes back to them and says, hey, we must endure many hardships. See, you, the biggest message you will ever preach is your life. That's the most powerful message you'll ever preach is your life and how you live. And, and God did so many miraculous things through Paul and he got to live with that expectancy and with that faith and got to see God do so many miracles through his life. And, and he got to see salvation come to other people's lives, but it cost him. There was a cost to living for that miraculous work of God in his life. See, he was a miracle chaser. He saw God do some amazing things in him and through him, but it cost him. And, and that's the final lesson today that the, the miracle of salvation is always free, but it will cost you. 
The miracle of salvation is always free, but it's gonna cost you to follow him. So why are you here? Why are you here? I landed on a flight a while back and, and they said, hey, welcome home. Those of you who are here in Florida, this is your home. Welcome home. For those of you who are here on business or pleasure, enjoy your stay. So let me ask you, is, is this our home? Is, it, is this your eternal home? No, this, this is not your home, is it? Our, our home is in heaven. So believer, wh- why you're here on earth, why are you here for business or pleasure? Are you here for comfort and to enjoy this life and to live your best life here? Or are you here on business for God? To see God's miraculous hand work through your life doesn't mean you can't enjoy the journey, and you should, and give God glory for that, but, but we're here for a mission. And the mission is not us. It's not, it's not for us. It's not about us. It's about God. It's about giving him glory, living for him. So why are you here? God wants to do miracles, and he, he wants you to know that, that his miraculous hand is available to work in your life and in your family's lives, but it's gonna cost you. This last week as I was writing the message, it was, it was a challenging week to write the message, honestly, because I was surrounded by, by about 50 high school students. They were here on a missions trip from out of state from a partner church, and they were doing renovations around our central campus here in Florida. And we did some pretty epic things that week. It was amazing, and, but it was full on. I mean, I think I averaged less than five hours of sleep for several days, which is not good, and I was just surviving. And, and we had a lot of projects going. It was amazing. Jennifer just, just killed it, as always. It's amazing what she does in leading those renovation projects. But I was exhausted. And I was trying to write a message in the few minutes between the different things I had going on. And I tried to give the hours to it I normally give, but it was hard to find them. And, and I was just exhausted. And, and I got to the end of my rest, message writing preparation. And one night it was late. It was like around 11.45 p.m. And I was putting on the finishing touches on this message. And, and I was uploading a picture that I shared with you earlier in this message, a picture of the basketball game and all that. And I was trying to send that off with my notes to those who put it in the media and all that. And, and I, I couldn't get it to attach. I couldn't send this picture. And so I reset my computer thinking, well, maybe that will help. And, and I reset my computer and I pulled my message notes back up with, trying to get these pictures and the notes together. And, and I realized that my notes had all been lost. Like every one of my notes, I had worked for hours and hours and hours on these notes. And those hours, I had to fight for every inch, every minute to get that time. And, and it, it took me back to the very first hour of my, my message preparation. I saw my little outline there that I had jotted out and, and I was at the very beginning. And, and my heart sunk. I'm like, that's hours. And, and I don't know if I have the energy to do that again. And I don't know if I can recreate that. I'm just, I'm so exhausted, God. And I, and I just, I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just gonna try. There's gotta be another way. And so I got on my phone. I tried to access my account through my phone. And same thing, I pulled the document up and it's, it's that reverted copy is not all the notes I'd written. So I got in the cloud online and I tried to get that and I accessed it and I pulled it up and same thing, it's the old version. And I'm thinking, man, God, what am I gonna do? And I just, I've been talking about miracles. I've been thinking about miracles. And I just prayed this prayer saying, God, I need a miracle right now because God, I'm, I'm exhausted. I need a miracle. And this thought just came to me, like, just Google, like, how to, how to pull up, you know, an old version from it. And so I, I, I Googled, like, how to, how to find, you know, when you've lost your document, how to find it. And, and just tell me something about finding a, a revision history and where to go to find it. And so I go into my computer, and I, I'm searching the settings. And I, sure enough, there it is, revision history. And I go on there. And because I had autosave on it, it had timestamps and all the different versions, all the different hours I've worked on this message. And it brought me back to the most recent one is somewhere around 11.30, right before I was finishing those last minute touches. And I pulled it up and sure enough, the whole message. All those pages were there, all the writing was there, all the research was there, the verses, all that stuff I put together. And I was so, so thankful. Now you could contend that wasn't a miracle. That was just science. That was just the information that you got off Google. That, fine. But I'll tell you what, I was desperate for help. I needed help. And usually a lot of time the help that you need and that I need is accessible and it's available. But how we access it sometimes is through faith. And it wasn't until I broke down and said, God, I need help. 
that I actually got the help that I needed. And here's, here's my only point in that. I'm not contending that that was an actual miracle from God, but to me, it felt like a miracle in the moment. All I'm simply saying is this is, what, what are you desperate for? Where's your place of pain? Where's your place of need? Where's the place where you're flat exhausted? And you're saying, God, I don't know if I can keep going. God, I need help. Things didn't work out how I thought it would. Things have kind of fallen apart. God, I need you to intervene. It's, it's out of the soil of that desperation and expectancy, that faith, where you're on the edge of your seat and you're saying, God, I believe you can help. I can't help myself. I don't know how I'm gonna do it. God, I need your wisdom. I need your help. God, I, I need you to re- restore my mind and my strength, my energy to keep going another day, to keep raising these kids. God, to show up on Monday morning at work, to be faithful to serve you, even when I don't feel like it. God, when I haven't got any credit from anyone, any acknowledgement to live to please you and, and to get your, your pleasure. God, I need your help. I need a miracle. Where is it in your life right now that you need a miracle? It's out, of, it's out of that context, out of that mess that God can do miracles. So will you chase it? Will you chase the miracles even through your pain? Will you show up again like that lame man with faith and hope that can be observed, that can be seen in your life, that's evident, that says, God, I believe. And even if you don't show up how I think you will, I'm not trying to control you. I'm just saying, God, I believe. I believe in faith that you can do miracles. Do you believe it? Well, I believe it for you, that God can do the miracles. And my hope is that you will chase the miracles and see the miraculous hand of God in your life this week. Right on? Come on, let's pray. God, thank you for getting us through another week. And for some of us, it's been a busy week. For some of us, it might've been a discouraging week. For others, it might've been a week of mountaintop experiences and moments of, of incredible, incredible successes. But God, wherever we've been this last week, we just wanna acknowledge that, that your hand is at work and has been at work. And for all the good things, we give you praise. The credit, God, is owed to you. And although we may have had a role in it, God, you ultimately, it was your miraculous hand that accomplished the vision. And so God, we thank you for that. We give you praise. And right now while we're praying, maybe you just wanna take a moment and, and just reflect on your life for any area where you have not given God the praise that he's due. And just take a moment and thank him right now. Thank him for your family. Thank him for your health. Thank him for the answered prayers in your life. Thank him for his provision. As you praise God, God's gonna grow up some contentment in your life. You're gonna give him praise. God, we just thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. And as we go throughout this week, may we chase your miraculous hand on the edge of our seat. May we expect with expectancy like that lame man, may that faith be so observable in our life because we're living to please you and we're living to see how you show up next in our life. It's in Jesus' powerful name we pray, amen. I had the best time today, worshiping and learning with you. You may have made a commitment during the service. If you did, we'd love to reach out to you. If you have any questions, comments, prayer requests, again, please go to churchexperience.tv connect or scan the QR code on the screen. Want to get even more connected? Check out our CE social media, Instagram, Facebook, or the website, even the app. Go ahead and also hit that subscribe button right here. What a great day it has been. Can't wait to see you guys next week.